This is the OT Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Brian Andrew, and I'm here with the AFC champion, Stephen Glendo. How you doing? I'm doing extremely well after this last weekend slate of games. I want to say this. Hate us. You can hate us. You can disrespect us. You can doubt us. You can do whatever you want to do because this is America. But you're only going to pay for it at the end. The Chiefs are in another Super Bowl. I am very, very, very excited. I know a lot of people don't like the Chiefs. And I actually had a conversation with a coworker of mine, and I was telling them that I think people don't hate the Chiefs. They hate the association of the, or the, yeah, I would say the association of the Chiefs as far as like, they don't like the people associated with the team, as in Taylor Swift, as in Brittany Mahomes, as in Jackson Mahomes. Um, everybody loves Paul Rudd. I mean, you can't, you can't knock that guy out, but the Chiefs are again in another Super Bowl. And this time, Brian picked the Chiefs, wink, wink. And uh, how do you feel about the Chiefs making another Super Bowl, Brian? Okay, first of all, I think you're 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 right a little bit on the association thing. Uh, to be honest, I don't really care about that stuff. But I think more so, the only people who like a dynasty are the are the fans of the team in the dynasty. Outside of that, no one likes the dynasty. No one's sitting back like, oh, I like that the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl every year. People want fresh man. People want fresh matchups. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna go off right now and just say this absolutely sucks. Like, I'm not a Raiders fan, but imagine being a Raiders fan and you have to pick between the Chiefs or the 49ers this weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not a fresh matchup. It's probably everyone's, except if you're a 49ers fan or a Chiefs fan, it's everyone's worst-case scenario matchup if you're just a neutral fan, if your team's already eliminated. This is not the matchup you wanted. It's boring. It's uninspiring. It's even got me, a Rams fan, considering rooting for the 49ers. Simply because I was like, I don't know if I want the Chiefs dynasty to continue. Two Super Bowls in what four years, and then this will make it possibly three and five. Is you're the fan? Is that accurate? Say that again. This would be two two Super Bowls in four years, and if they win, it will be three and no. five. No, this is uh, this is four Super Bowls in five years. Super Bowl rings, though, actually. Winning. Oh, Super Bowl rings? Yeah, no, only two. Yeah, so it'll be two. If they win this one, it'll be three out of four. Three out of four. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, because the only no, no, the no. only loss right now is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady. So like, let's let's put this in perspective. Like, we could respect Tom Brady's career, but no one liked the fact that the Patriots were in the Super Bowl almost every other year. No, no one enjoyed that, unless you live in Boston. So, like, I'm just gonna be like, I I'm sure you're enjoying it, Stephen. But as a neutral fan going into the Super Bowl in two weeks, I absolutely hate it, <laughs> and I have no, uh, I have no motivation to sit down and watch the game. 
if someone says I have something better to do, I might entertain it. Knowing me, though, I like football enough that I'll probably still watch it. But there's at least three USC Trojans on the 49ers, and I'm like, eh, maybe at least they could get some rings. I can't believe that the NFL script has put me in a position where I might have to root for the 49ers in two weeks. Because I'm like, you know what? At least it's fresh. You know? At least Ufanga might get a ring. Drake Jackson might get a ring. And Sam Darnold might get a ring. Sure. That's cool. But I don't want to, I don't want the 49ers winning either. <laughs> you know, I have some 49er friends. They're just as insufferable as you, Steven. I'm, I'm trapped. And I hate it. So, I'll let you enjoy this moment while the rest of the country has to watch this inspiring matchup in two weeks. And I'm glad. I'm glad that you have to sit there <laughs> and you have to watch two hours of two teams that you absolutely don't know who to root for. But I'm going to say this. We're going in there as the favorites. I'm a little nervous, uh, but I'm I'm a little glad at the same time because I think we have a good shot. Um, speaking of the 49ers and Lions game, before we jump into Ravens-Chiefs, Everybody is dogging on Dan Campbell for being too aggressive, being too this, being too that. And I think Dan Campbell did a hell of a job. I think he made the right calls. He made the right mm-hmm. calls in the heat of the moment. Like, I, like I've like i said in earlier podcasts, the city of Detroit, the Lions put the city of Detroit on their back. They were playing for the city. They were out there with nothing to lose. Nobody, you know, they were doubted to make it that far. You know, like when was the last time the the Lions have even been considered like competitive? Mm-hmm. So for Dan Campbell to go out there and to look as good as they did in the first, um, you know, first two quarters. I mean, the first the first of the you know controversial calls or not calls but decisions made was a fourth and two, where mm-hmm. Josh Reynolds dropped the ball. Yeah, it was set up. It was set up perfectly. He was right? wide open. Yep, wide open, and he drops the ball, which would have converted. I mean, like you got to make those plays in those situations. You know, I mean, if they make that play, they go down and score another touchdown. Like, do we still talk about the decision the same way? No. Or, or but, at least it takes another three minutes off the clock, continuing that. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. And then uh, another one was a fourth and three, and. Uh, I'm not sure what happened on this play because I feel like it looked like St. Brown was wide open mm-hmm. or at least open enough for Goff to get it there, but he just just didn't put enough under it. And so, you know, that's how that goes. But, I mean, it's a fourth and three. I'm always kind of iffy and, like, questioning why throw the ball 20 yards downfield when it's fourth and three. Mm-hmm. Just get the first down, reset, continue your drive, you know? that's That's kind of how I look at it, but... I think Dan Campbell made the right calls on those. And then when he ran at the very end, I mean, when if you listen to his press conference, you know, like they were feeling it. Like I thought it was going to be, when I was watching it, I thought he was going to get in the end zone too. Yeah. I thought he was just going to run it in the end zone and then they were going to go for, you know, either the onside kick or decide to kick it deep and, and take those timeouts. But, you know, the, the, the chips fell a certain way. <clears throat> and unfortunately it didn't come out to the Lions – um, favor and I think the Lions will be back in that competitive position. Um, I know one question that we'll be talking about as we head into the off season and 
um, over the course of the offseason is, is Goff going to be the guy for the next couple of years, you know? And um, on top of that, is, is Goff, you know, obviously fantasy relevant, but we can get more into that later. Um, what were your thoughts on that, that game? I, I really don't think that it was Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I still, <clears throat> I don't know if Brock Purdy's the guy. So, one, I think I would have kicked the field goal on that first one just to put it up 17 points. I understand his decision to go for it, and I'm like, I'm like 50-50 on it. I'm not going to sit here like everything's, you know, everyone's got a, you know, everyone could let's could look back and be like, oh, I would have done this, you know. Who if they missed a field goal, I would have been. Some people would have been like, oh, he should have gone for it, right? So, but it, it, I think in that situation, going up by three scores would have still uh, because it could have been a seventeen point. Uh, turnaround where the 49ers got the ball instead of it being almost a seven point turnaround. You know what I mean? So, uh, in in that situation, I would have. But the second one, I would have gone for, and it just didn't work out. But one of those Brock Purdy passes where it jumped like a bounce off the Detroit DB, and then it ended up in uh, was it Ayuk's hands? And it's, yep. it, it, those are just that's just bad luck. It's just, you know, the script wasn't written for you that day, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those bad luck plays, you know? And uh, the 49ers that, are now whether, in the Super Bowl. Whether Ayuk would have caught it or not, I think they called the P.I. on that play. Yeah. So the ball would have been, you know, moved down there anyways. But, no, I, I agree with you. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't their time. So, uh Yeah. I'm like I'm not too against Dan Campbell in those situations, but at the same time, I'm also like I think on that first one, you're in a roll. It seems like the 49ers have a little bit of momentum. Uh, just you know, sometimes it's uh, just like it's good to be aggressive, but then it's also uh, defeating if points keep getting added to the board, no matter how hard you're trying to come back. And I think that would have also been difficult for the 49ers to do, pull off if they felt like every time even if these traded touchdowns for field goals they were down by a significant amount of points that I I, I consider that you know the Lions could have if they just kicked two more three more field goals in that game they would have won so yeah I mean three big plays that I think changed the course of the game number one was obviously that fourth down that Josh Reynolds you know dropped the pass mm-hmm. that long Shot to Ayuk that bounced off the defender and then into the hands of Ayuk. And then when David Montgomery fumbled, I think on their on their own oh, like thirty yeah. or something. That that was that really that really the, those three plays really were the, the momentum shifts at the right time for the 49ers. And and to be honest, like other than the PI call, like the other two were they're just mental mistakes that you know, you got to minimize. I, I think the Montgomery one was really because, like, yeah, you go for it for two, but you you still have the lead. If you go down there, you score again, or even get a field goal or something like that. You no, know what I mean is Montgomery fumbled. Um, they fumbled on their own thirty yard line. Yeah, so no, then the like, Niners. Yeah, I got the ball. Yeah. So I believe it was when the Forty ers cut it to seven, and then Montgomery fumbled. Right. I believe and, so. Yes. And then mm-hmm. they tied it. So I think it's like it's one of those things where it's like. All right, 49ers cut it back down to seven. But if you went back, if you went down and scored, you you would have been in control again. But Montgomery fumbled, 
So, uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to get into the Chiefs Ravens game then? Hey, all I gotta say is that they they went out there, they stuck to their game plan, their defense stepped up, and the offense did what it needed to, um, you know, to start the game. I mean, the Ravens, no question, had the best defense in the league. They had the best defense. They were only allowing like sixteen points a game. Like they were lights out. And so I, I knew this going into this, you know, game, it was going to be very tough, especially the struggles that our offense have had um, over the last, you know, few games. But especially in the red zone, but they went out there, they looked, you know, on fire. They didn't force anything. Um, the defense did their job. And I'm just, you know, everybody is surprised, but I'm surprised that the Ravens didn't run more. Uh, I believe Lamar Jackson, uh, uh, Step back for about 82% of their possessions. And I think they only had six rush attempts or something as a team or something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's just, I don't know what took them out of their game plan. Um, yeah, you know, um, just mental errors late in that, late in that game, late in the third, fourth, you know, the Zay Flowers fumble. Uh, throwing an interception with like what was it, seven minutes to go or something of that nature. I gotta say this: if the offense wasn't putting up points and moving the ball, they were like they were doing in the you know first two three drives. I don't think that the Ravens would have shifted into hey we got to start passing. I think it was oh shoot they're moving the ball on us and if they get ahead we're gonna have to start keeping up, and so it became just like. You know your your mental and, and your your game plan kind of go out the window when you're trying to score touchdowns. You know every possession. So it it, it also looks like sometimes when he he, he steps back, it, it looks like well he could still do something on his legs, and I just felt like he probably just let down the field, and he I don't know Chiefs were containing well. It, it it just the, the Ravens had their opportunities and they just did not execute. And you know, if you think about it, the NFL script wanted uh, Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl, so it makes sense, you know. Like hey, flowers I'm, probably. I'm, <laughs> I'm for Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl for the next you know five years if that's what it takes. Flowers didn't want to fumble on the one, but you know, Goodell's told him to. He had to. So it is. It is what it is, and. Now we have we've already heard my rant, and now we have the Super Bowl that we get to that you get to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, let's let's come back to that right now in a bit here. Let's uh let's get into some coaching updates since our last episode. The uh, Chargers have finally decided, and Jim Harbaugh has finally decided that they are a perfect match made for each other. And so, Jim Harbaugh has been, uh hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't know if you saw his like intro video. He just doesn't look good in that that light baby blue and yellow. It's just weird to see him in that, you know? You that feel color. like he needs to be in a darker like navy. Yes. <laughs> he's a dark he's a dark colored person, you know? He's not a pastel kind of guy. So they just it, he looked very awkward in that in that um, uniform. Maybe, maybe the Chiefs will up. maybe the Chiefs will bring back those classic navies then. We'll have to wait and see. I doubt it, but did I say the Chiefs? I did the, you the said last the episode. The Chargers will bring back those the classic Chargers, navies. Yeah, yeah. I doubt that the Chargers will bring those back. The nice dark ones that they had in San Diego during Philip Rivers and LT. Mm-hmm. And, 
Yeah. yeah, those were those were pretty nice. Those were cool it, because I mean, because when they brought out the baby blues, it felt like the baby blues <clears throat> were special. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely did. I mean, I like the baby blues. I, I think they're one of the best uniforms in the league. But you know, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> I think we've talked about this even with the hiring of Jim Harbaugh. I mean, they lose Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator. I believe he went to Philadelphia. So it really seems like the Chargers really just said, "Hey, we're we're going to rebuild." And so I think it's going to take a year or two. You know, they're going to have to draft some talent or find some young talent in free agency or younger talent. And then they're going to have to, you know, establish their, you know, their, uh, their game plans, you know, like what kind of offense they're going to be, you know, who they're going to hire an offensive coordinator, obviously is going to be a big thing, but they have to learn a whole new offense again this off season. So it's not like building on the last season, you're going to have to come in and, and basically learn a new system. And so, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see where they kind of land. But I think this next year, I wouldn't be surprised if they're still one of the, you know, one of the bottom bottom two in the in the division, at least, you know, for the next year. Do you still consider Justin Herbert a top 10 quarterback? Not fantasy, but just in general. Right now, he's tickling top 10. Because there's a lot of talent that you could possibly say has surpassed him, uh, just simply because they're part of winnier. Is that is that a word winnier? Uh, more winning franchises. Tua, Would you say Tua is above him? No, I wouldn't say Tua is above him. Okay, I would say CJ Stroud is because right now. I would say CJ <clears throat> Stroud is definitely above him. I would even say Jordan Love is above him. Okay. You got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. You know, because uh, I, I was I was I was flirting with making the argument that when you have a franchise quarterback, your your rebuild shrinks a little bit, and possibly it could be more of a retooling than an, an entire rebuild. But now that I think about it, like he. I'm not gonna say he's not that guy, but he he might not he might not be enough to just pull them through. You know what I mean? Through you know, beating. I just don't, I just don't know. If, I just don't know if the Broncos are gonna be good next year. I don't know if the Raiders are ready to pull. So like the the Chargers might accidentally be second place in the division. <laughs> They could be, it, it, you know, after the Chiefs is kind of a toss up, but I think the Raiders are going to play a little more motivated this next season. And especially if they get a quarterback, you know, I think that's going to really boost their offense. They have talent in the offense, you know, yeah. and their defense, you know, at the end of the year stepped up. So, I mean, I think right there is just a couple of, of additions to the team and they're, you know, they're a playoff contender. The Broncos, <clears throat> I don't know about the Broncos. They're going to have to really figure things out, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, especially, you know, again, they need a quarterback as well. And I don't know, their offense didn't look, you know, as. Hey, this, this is a take too, but not only do they need a quarterback, I think they need to revamp their receiving core. They have a lot of talent there, but it's just, it has not worked. And this is what the third quarterback they tried it with. Yeah, so, something's just not clicking there. I mean, you know, Cortland Sutton had a good season last season. You know, Jerry yeah. Judy disappeared, even though the season before, you know, the last six, six, seven games, 
of that season, mm-hmm. he was, you know, like number two, I think, in fantasy points. And so I don't know. I don't know kind of what would happen there if it was, again, a new coach, a new system, you know, Sean Payton. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's really tricky, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches in that division. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little more competitive this next season. Yeah. <clears throat> and then. Yeah. One of the biggest shocks, I think, you know, of of the past couple of days is uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers hiring Arthur Smith as their um, offensive coordinator. I mean, is this is this really an upgrade over Matt Canada? Like, where are we going here, Pittsburgh? Like, I, I think they feel like he's an upgrade above Matt Canada. Like they. I um I think they're hoping that he's going to unlock something in the running game, but I don't know. <laughs> like this, if I'm a George Pickens fan, or uh, I'm trying to, th- I think I saw a meme or something like that, like George Pickens and Najee Harris looking at is the Kurt Angle uh, face, <laughs> and it's like looking at uh, <laughs> Arthur Smith. <laughs> And it's uh, when Allen Robinson and they they name some like backup tight end or something goes off for a uh, thirty combined fantasy points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, I don't. We're gonna have to wait and see how that turns out. Obviously, like they they do need you know obviously a revamp in the run game, but I mean they're kind of stuck at their quarterback too. Like they're only gonna go as far as Kenny Pickett can take them. You know, I, I think they're and, drafting uh, a quarterback. I will. Yeah, I, think, I I don't know if it will be a first round quarterback, but they are certainly picking one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I don't want to sound too hyperbolic, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, top four rounds they're getting a quarterback, and I think the fans are gonna be clamoring for that one. To start over, Kenny Pickett, and they might, they yeah, might just yeah, pull yeah. the trigger on Bo Nix late in the first or something like that. Like they. They're picking some, but they're going to have a quarterback competition in, in training camp for sure. Oh, yeah, they need one. Yeah. Do you still feel going into this next season? Let's say everything stays the same. Okay. They don't draft a quarterback. Do you feel confident in George Pickens being a top 25 wide receiver going into the t- uh, 2024 season? I don't feel confident, but... Uh, he does seem like one of those players. Like, there's always that player that everyone doubts going into a draft, and then somebody just picks him up, uh, maybe a round or two late. Nobody wants to touch him, and then they go off, and they're really good. He seems like he has because he has the talent to do that. I just don't know if the the Pittsburgh situation is like who knows maybe they get maybe like who knows Kirk Cousins signs a two-year contract there then I'm like oh Kirk Cousins all right you know what I mean like um but as of right now Pickett Pickens uh Smith no I I would probably say stay away I would fade uh, uh, I know it's a little too early to be fading players but I would fade currently yeah no I'm I'm 100% with you on that one uh, I'm fading. I mean, I've been fading Pickens, and so. But I would, although, I would I, although although we made that trade during the season that I took, yeah. him, but I only took him to get the other guy. So I would say though, even though, okay, so there's there's two late there's two ways to look at this, and maybe we're spending a lot of time on Arthur Smith, but you know it's basically the off season. 
he, he did run a solid offense with the Titans with basically a glorified game managing quarterback and Ryan Tannehill who ended up looking a lot better than a game manager and Derrick Henry. But then he goes to Atlanta and has Bajon Robinson and Algier. And I think it's a similar situation. It's more similar to Atlanta than it is to Tennessee. And I think a lot of people are not realizing that. I think some people are like, he might unlock Najee Harris. But I'm like, no, he's got uh, Warren there as well. And when he has two options, he sometimes doesn't go with the option that you think he should go with. And I think he's actually going to make it very difficult for us to to gauge this backfield next season. Hopefully, though, um, now that he doesn't have to ma- manage an entire team, he could kind of just focus on the offense. He can now maybe. mess up the offense even more than before. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm going to say like it's it's funny because like I feel like Najee Harris and Warren Stock should rise slightly. But I would still almost fade them compared to other running back situations across the NFL, if that makes sense. Like, I think yeah, they're, no, gonna, I... they're both going to be more fancy relevant maybe next year than they were this year. But I don't know which one is going. Like, I just don't know who you're going to strap the rocket to, if that makes sense. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I guess, you know, when, when, when we hit training camp, we'll probably have a little more to say <laughs> on this. Obviously, you know, there's always going to be that hype in training camp. So I think this year we'll have to temper expectations because I fell into a lot of hype last year. Oh, I did too. I think, I think then, sometimes sometimes it's best to just go with what you know. <laughs> yeah, obviously you like, you know, if it looks like a horse and it has stripes, most likely it's a zebra, right? So Right. <clears throat> and lastly, uh, the Carolina Panthers hired the offensive coordinator from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dave Canales. And I mean, hey, this is what I'm going to say. If the guy right. can take Baker Mayfield and the Bucks, you know, to the divisional, I, I give the guy a chance, right? Like, what's the worst that can happen, right? Honestly, Carolina is also in a transitional period where they might not even know who their next real coach is. And if this guy pans out, then it's this guy, right? But if it doesn't pan out, then you had a decent <laughs> transitional coach until you get your real coach when the team's ready to start winning games again. And like, you're, you're you're in for a team division. that made the for the team gonna... that made the divisional round. You're really like going in on them. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking the Bucks. You're talking no, about the Panthers. I'm yeah, talking about the right. Panthers. So the Panthers are yes, you're right. So I'm saying, but they're also in a division where they're probably a few pieces away from at least being like six and six in the middle of the season, uh, only a game behind winning the, the division. And then it's whoever, ha- whoever has injury luck wins the division. You know, it's not a tough division to win. Yeah. This so, division's always up in the air. So the Panthers could honestly, if Bryce Young, you know, flips a switch and becomes the guy that we all thought he would be, then who knows if that, if the Panthers are the second, the first best team in that division next year. Yeah. We'll see. They need a receiver though. Speaking of that division, you said lastly, but you forgot one. Probably the most one of the most interesting ones is Raheem Morris goes to the Falcons, and uh, that means Belichick is not going to <laughs> to the Falcons. And uh, I don't. I don't. The only thing I'll say about the Raheem Morris thing is I think it's a good fit. I think it's going to help their defense. He was their interim coach temporarily. Um, I think he's going to be fine. 
I think as long as I think he's going to try to get the stars their weapons. I don't know if anybody's stock rises from this hiring yet, but I, I think it's a good hire. I'll say this, you know, I think last episode I I was kind of down on this potential or you know, this hiring, but you know, the Falcons again, I think it's it's the weak division. And so I think like you know, coming from that Sean McVay you know, led Los Angeles Rams team. I think he's going to come over here to Atlanta and I think he's going to know how to use everybody's talent. You know, they also brought over Zach Robinson, the Rams quarterbacks coach, right? And passing mm-hmm. coordinator. Yeah. And so like, I think they're going to know how to use their players. So if I, they I so implement a system similar to the Rams and how they work, like I think Kyle Pitts and Drake London and, you know, Bijan Robinson are going to be solid pickups in this, this upcoming year. Even if Ritter's still their quarterback? Even if Ritter's still the quarterback. Okay. And then, uh, all right. And so I guess the last question is, do you think Belichick's going to get a job this offseason, or do you think he's going to sit a year out? Because the only one left is the Washington one. And the Seahawks, I don't think so. right? The Seahawks is still available, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he wants too much control. He okay. wants to have too much control of the team, and I don't think that uh, right now teams are, are willing to do that. If I'm the Washington Commanders, give him the key and let him have it. Even what do you what do you got to lose? <laughs> you your franchise hasn't been been bad. Your owner was sued last year. He had to sell the team. What do you have to lose? Bring in probably the greatest coach of the last two decades and give him the key. And if it doesn't work out. Send him, send him packing in five years. But what five years of Belichick? Sign me up if I'm the Commanders. I understand. I understand if it's Seattle, who you had Pete Carroll, who had his own legacy there. You don't necessarily need Belichick to go in there. I'm pretty sure the reason one reason one of the reasons why Pete Carroll left is because probably because he wanted more control and they just weren't willing to give it to him. So I understand why Belichick won't go to Seattle. But Washington, just give him the damn keys. <laughs> like, let him run everything. Who cares? Yeah, no, you, yeah, you have a good point. You know, what do you have to lose? I mean, you got Belichick, you got Carroll, and you got Vrabel that are still out there. So, I mean, do you think all or do you think at least two of these guys gets a job this season? Uh, I would say so. I think Vrabel and Carroll have been more. Okay, let me put it to you this way. I think Vrabel's actually legitimately looking for a job. And it, and it could be Seattle, even though that was supposed to be Dan Quinn's position. Did Dan Quinn just decide not to take it? <laughs> like, I don't know what happened there. Um, I don't know. I don't. Well, Pete Carroll's not going back to Seattle, so I don't know if Pete Carroll wants to coach in Washington. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Carroll takes a job in college football. You know, for you know, he might just end up being like a, I don't know, like a senior analyst for USC or some big football program like Alabama or something, and then just come back to the NFL the year later. Belichick's the one who legitimately looks like he still wants to coach. Belichick and Vrabel, I would say, over Pete Carroll are going to get for sure probably get jobs. Maybe Vrabel will be a DC for a year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it looks like they're 
they're moving towards like hiring these, you know, up and coming, you know, coordinators. coordinators. Yeah. And so it seems like kind of these guys that have been around for a while aren't, aren't, you know, making the cut right now. I don't see any news of Dan Quinn signing anywhere or, um, it's kind of more so, is he going to stay with the, the Cowboys? I think he did. I think he did, um, interview for the Seahawks and, and whatnot, yeah. but yeah, uh, my mind might be playing tricks on me, but I thought he had a second interview, but maybe it was just one. My mind might be playing tricks on me. All right. Yeah, because the uh, offensive coordinator for the Lions, he also interviewed for the um, Seahawks for both the Commanders and the Seahawks. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm coming back to Detroit. Jared Goff needs me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, real quick here before we sign out, um, Super Bowl prediction. Oh, uh, you want Can, to, you want, you want this before next week? All right. Well, okay. How about how about instead of doing the actual score or the winner, give me one person from each team that's going to score. Ooh, anytime TD. An anytime right. touchdown. All right. Um. Probably. CMC, probably for the 49 Do you want a more unique one, or do you just want me to give you <laughs> the safest one? Give me what you think is going to happen. Okay. Like, who's C- going to score? It doesn't C- have to be safe. CMC for 49ers. And then I would probably say Pacheco for the Chiefs. All right. Those are do two you, solid ones. Do you, do you want, like, an outlandish one? Give me an outlandish one. Hardman for the Chiefs. <laughs> and Jennings for the 49ers. Okay. I hope Hardman doesn't score. I hope Hardman's not even on the field, to be honest. You hope he, got, he gets cut? He might have the already got fum- cut. The guy fumbled on the one-yard line against the Bills. <laughs> like He fumbled twice in that game, actually. Yeah. Real quick before we let the people know where they could find us. Give me the over and under. Well, let me let me put it this way. Do you think that Taylor Swift will be shown mm. more than or less than 25 times throughout the whole broadcast? 25. Broadcast, right? So this is including pregame? Let's go from when the game starts. Within the four quarters of the game... And we'll include halftime, the halftime show too. So that halftime that's on average of six or so per quarter. Hmm. Yeah, I would say it's over twenty-five. All it's right, it's a Super Bowl. Yeah, I understand. Like maybe in a random divisional matchup, they're going to focus more on the team, but it's the Super Bowl. You're going to have a more general audience watching the game. Yeah, more than twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm going to have to sit here and act like um, I don't know things about Taylor Swift. But, you know, because I'm a Chiefs fan and I look at Chiefs stuff on social media, everything Taylor Swift pops up now. And I guess she has a concert the day before in Japan or something. In, in Tokyo. I, I, oh, was, Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I was listening Japan. to this, another podcast that doesn't focus so much on football, but they were talking about Taylor Swift. And 
yeah, she has a show the the night before, so I think it's actually going to be pretty close to her getting to the game. Like it's going to be cutting it close. Well, she'll supposedly she would she would get there the night before, so Saturday night or something. Oh, okay. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I'm sure she flies in a luxury mm-hmm. airplane where she's going to get good sleep and probably little um, jet lag. So we'll have to wait and see. But, Brian, can you let the people know where they can find us on X? First of all, you didn't give me your anytime TDs or your, yeah. It was just me. It was just me asking you a question as oh, a, okay. as a, you know, just, um, as someone neutral who doesn't fan. Watch, I don't want to yeah, watch somebody it. that doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. So I want USC players to win, uh, some rings and I want my parlays that day to work out. That's, uh, that's what I'm going for in the Super Bowl. But you can find us on X at OT Fantasy F Ball. Please stop by, say hello. I like your guys' podcast. Or say hello. That was not your best work this week. We appreciate all the feedback you guys can give us. Please find our podcast wherever you find your podcast. It could be on Spotify, Apple, Google. Does Amazon have their own podcast thing? I'm not sure. But you can find us wherever you find your podcast. Subscribe. Let us know how we're doing. Rate our podcast. Uh, tell us what you guys want. Tell us what you guys wanted to see or hear next off season or this next coming season. We appreciate that. Well said, Brian. Well said. Hey, yeah, we appreciate your time. I think Brian says this. You could be anywhere and doing anything right now, but you decided to take 38 minutes to listen to us. I'm Steven. With me, as always, is Brian. We're not fortune tellers, but I'm fortunate enough to tell you the Chiefs are going to win another Super Bowl. This is the OT Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one.